Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about an underdog story. A tale of two teams, one rich, entitled and arrogant, the other humble, making up for in heart what they lack in resources and with the odds stacked against them. After years of failure, they get a new coach, an inexperienced guy without much respect for authority, but with a kindness and integrity that inspires his young troops. The underdogs suffer some early stumbles, but they fight back with a resilience and determination that surprises everyone, including their foes. And astonishingly, they make it to the championship final looking like real contenders. With the clock ticking down, can they pull off a historic victory? I'd be giving an answer to that question if this was a adaptation of The Mighty Ducks, a film with no contemporary resonances whatsoever. Instead, it's just a podcast in which you talk about and review films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me... My comrade helping our lowly hockey team defy all expectations and heroically crush the evil Tories. I mean, Hawks. The Hawks. The hockey team with that name. Danny Moran. Hello. Hello. There's only one review this episode due to the fact that me and Sam have been too busy creating dank Corbyn memes. Hashtag JC4PM in the run up to the election. However, we did get a chance to see Wonder Woman, the blockbuster comic book smash, which stars a woman and is directed by... A woman? But can a film directed by and starring a woman be any good? (laughs) Obviously yes, but stay tuned for our review. We also discussed the news that Sony is trying to earn a few bucks by releasing kid-friendly versions of their back catalogue and report on the news that Terry Gilliam has finished shooting the most anticipated film of his career, Jabberwocky 2. No wait, I've got that wrong. It's the man who killed Don Quixote. All of which should leave me just enough time to perform my latest impression, Johnny Depp reviewing the Baz Luhrmann film, Australia. Uh, Australia is a great, great movie. He is a huge Jackman. He's resilient and firm an actor. Uh, I'm truly sorry for anyone who hasn't seen Australia. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love. Welcome back to the podcast, superfan James Andrews. James, hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to have I you. Like it's great. How you chose me to come and not a woman. Uh, yeah. Well, we had a lot of every week. We get a lot of um, a lot of people write in asking to be on it, and uh, we just usually pick the man. That's what we've done again this time. The manliest man. The manliest man. The the hottest dude that we know. Uh, we were going to have you on last time to review my life as a courgette. But due to a scheduling mix up, you couldn't make it. So whose scheduling mix up was that, Sam? I think there was a there was a, <laughs> there, was a there was mutual responsibility. A breakdown of communication. A breakdown in communications. So, but we're glad that you could uh, you could make it this time around. In um, lieu of a correspondence section, because we have a correspondent here, yeah. I've um, created a little topical election film quiz. Excellent. Yes. As a nice little icebreaker because I because things have awkward as, awkward like as fuck in here. Yeah. Do you guys want to play my awesome election 
Film Quiz. Yes. I think of a snappy title. That's what it's called. It's a good title, and I do want to play it. I'd be honoured to. There's five, there's five questions. Okay. There can be multiple choice. So um, are James and I collaborating in this quiz, or are we, are we oh. is it versus kind of thing? Do you want to go is versus? it University Challenge style? I think teams. <laughs> teams. I want to crush you. No, I probably won't know the answers. Let's form a progressive alliance here. All right. Between you, both of you guys. Coalition of Chaos. Coalition of Chaos. Me, coalition me, of chaos. me and James, yeah. Okay, question one. Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn share a love for which film? I'll give you the options. The Iron Lady. I, Daniel Blake. The Triumph of Will. Kathy Come Home. Casablanca. Or Kangaroo Jack. Um, I'm going with Jack. Kangaroo Jack. Mm-hmm. Really? That doesn't sound plausible to me. <laughs> I would have said something like Cas- Casablanca. Because it seems like... But I don't know if that's like a that's, sort of... This is a safe move. Too so. obvious. Yeah. Well, maybe Kathy Come Home, since it is a classic. And also Theresa May. choices. Sorry? These aren't progressive choices. No, I th- I'm going to... I, My guess would be Kathy Come Home. Let's try it. <laughs> no, it's Casablanca. No, it is Casablanca. You're really like Jack. No, like, yeah. my joke was that it was like a really Tory or fascist movie. Oh, like, I like see. Like a progressive movie. And then the actual answer, then the stupid answer. I mean... Well, I, I'm you really know, Ill. I was second guessing. You know, I was like, yeah. I was playing 12-dimensional chess rather than like That's you were just I mean. playing like, you know, tag or something. Sure. You overestimated my, my intelligence there. Yeah, so who's the real loser in the question, Danny? I thought you were smarter than this. True, you're right. I feel ashamed. Uh, question two. According to IMDb, who has the most registered TV appearances? <laughs> and so but basically, the way this works on IMDb is that if you're on question time, that is logged as one entry on your IMDb, even okay. if you're on multiple episodes. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm. So who's got the most out of Teresa or Corbin? I would have guessed JC. He must have a lot. He's been he's been he's been his MP for such a long time. Yeah, he's always piping up as well. He's always piping up, isn't he? What's the answer, Danny? The answer is actually Theresa forty three and Corbyn thirty six, just because she was Home Secretary for longer. I see. Oh, Get on so those. She was just on the TV same shows. Though um, Theresa forty two of them were before the election. <laughs> nice. She's nowhere to be seen. She's nowhere to be bloody Satire. seen. Okay. Question three. Paul Nussle called upon which 2006 documentary to be banned from being shown in schools? Do you want some options? I would love some options, Danny. I yes. need some options. We okay. need options. Shut Up and Sing, An Inconvenient Truth, Zidane, A 21st Century Portrait, or Jackass Number 2. All these documentaries came out in 2006. What's Zidane? It's a documentary about Zinedine Zidane. 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 Yeah. Um, it won't be that. Zidane. The original title for that was Zidane in the Membrane. <laughs> and uh, they changed oh, it. Oh, God. Um, well, the, the second one again? Look, I'm going to... I think the obvious the obvious choice here, and for our non-trying to trip us up, you know... Inconvenient Truth? Would be Inconvenient Truth, yeah. yeah. Quizmaster. It's not going to be that, though, is it? That is correct. Oh, yeah, we got truth. a point. That's James, that's audibly high five uh, for, for, for the radio. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. Great high five. Extra point for that. Question. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're competing against nobody, so you still will be number one on the leaderboard. Yeah. Question four. What is Theresa May's favorite Bond film? Is it For Your Eyes Only, You Only Live Twice, Die Another Day, or The Spy Who Loved Me? Um, It's hard to say, isn't it? Probably not Die Another Day. That would be... The Spy Who Loved Me. I'm going to guess that as well. The Spy Who Loved Me. Danny? Incorrect. Oh. Fuck. Motherfucker. Fuck you. you fucking can't. <laughs> Sorry, I just Why got really into it. <laughs> uh, for one second. You only live twice. 
Huh. According to an interview on the Mail on Sunday. Well, how much do you read into that, Danny? Do you see that as a classic mate? Were you like, oh, of course. Think you've seen all the Bond films. You're like, which one do I associate most with? Theresa May. It's obviously it's, that one. It's got Sean Connery pretending to be a Japanese man. Bit it's racist. Quite racist. Bit she racist. She yeah. she is a racist, so she would like that. Yeah, racist. And finally, what is Corbin's favorite film? Is it The Great Gatsby? Is it The Great Escape? Is it Oz, the Great and Powerful, or is it The Great Wall, that Matt Damon movie that came out about two weeks ago? <laughs> well, I feel like it would have to be something political. Yeah, because Corbin tends to choose very like, like Corbin-y stuff. very Corbin-y stuff. Mm-hmm. So wait, what were the first two? The Great Escape and The Great Gatsby. Yeah, Great Escape, not Gatsby. Surely, well, I don't know. You wouldn't think it'd be Gatsby. Escape, Escape. It's Gatsby. Fuck, it's Gatsby. It's bloody Gatsby. He's hiding things from us. What's going on there? Well, I guess neither of them are particular. They're not like, you know, sort of socialist tracks, are they, either of those movies? The Gatsby. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Baz Luhrmann one. (laughs) That's that's his favourite ever film. It was the the Baz Luhrmann Great Gatsby. I think the Robert Redford one. He was inspired to watch it after seeing that meme of uh, DiCaprio lifting a cocktail and smiling. And he was like, where's this from? Where's this delightful (laughs) gif from? I want to see that film. I love that Jack White version of that U2 song. It's my favorite song now. Um, so at the end of it, the scores is you got um, most of the points because you're the only ones playing. Yes, we got to win. Let's have another audible wrong. high five for, podding, for podcasting. Oh, that, was that was even better than the previous painful. one. You got... Um, I think we only got one question right. Yeah, you only got one right, actually. On yeah. <laughs> well, we still win. There's no other fucking team is playing. You're one the loser, Danny. Five, 20%. That's not majority, is it? Proportional representation. You would have won. Would have been a landslide. <laughs> um, Danny, I want to formally take this opportunity to thank you for creating the quiz. I had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, I felt included. Yeah, we included James, mm-hmm. which is nice because we normally talk over him, don't let him speak, don't let him say anything or contribute. You're very welcome. Say so, thank you very much. Let's move on now to a different part of the podcast. Superhero films announced Casting rumours leaking out M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped Matt Damon's in a viral vid Michael Bay's made a mint That's the news that's fit to print News, interesting news From a kind of uh, Well it seems like a new a new thing That I haven't seen a company do before An interesting, interesting manoeuvre So Sony, Sony Pictures they are creating new child-friendly versions of some of their famous movies. So a lot of the time in Hollywood, they kind of do this anyway to be shown on uh, airlines and uh, and that kind of thing. You know, they have like recar versions of their films with less of the gore and boobies and stuff. But Sony has now announced that they will be making these kinds of versions of their movies available through iTunes and two services that I had not heard of before, Voodoo. Uh, spelt V-U-D-U and Fandango Now. Those are both pretty exciting sounding things that I'm going to be <laughs> signing up for immediately after we finish recording <laughs> yeah, the podcast. So there are 24 movies in the in their initial lineup. Some of them are quite interesting choices. I don't. They don't seem like the sort of films that I would immediately offer to a child to watch, even in boulderized form. Should we give it. Sure. Yeah. Give us a few examples. I give give you a flavour of some of the choices here. Elysium, the uh, action movie with Matt Damon, is a sort of metal arm and stuff. Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. Uh, Hancock, the film about the sort of naughty superhero film with Will Smith. 
um, Moneyball, <laughs> all about like baseball guys like doing smart <laughs> baseball stuff. Do the kids want to see that? It's quite talky that movie. Very talky, and it's very like mathy, isn't it? And they like basically use a spreadsheet to be good at baseball or something. Yeah, Not that familiar so. with it. Goosebumps, which is already a child's film, so it's almost surprising that it requires recutting. Uh, and also loads of loads of Spider-Man films, Pixels, that utterly awful uh adam sandler comedy well i haven't seen it but i assume that it's awful captain phillips is certainly a bit of a strange one i mean all about like poor tom hanks getting like pirated hijacked hijacked by pirates kid friendly like what is what happens in the child-friendly version of the film is the the somalian pirates like animated elephants or something like yeah just to lighten the mood a little bit and the the u.s navy is just like a a fleet of uh dinghies uh (laughs) operated by like cats or something i don't know and they cut in other scenes or they're just cutting out scenes let's assume they're uh, not doing massive reshoots on 24 (laughs) movies in order to add add like child-friendly content yeah that would be pretty surprising (laughs) yeah i mean for some of them it kind of makes sense because adam sandler's brand of comedy it's just sort of, it's almost like carry on, you know, it's just yeah. like toilet humour and... Well, he tends to uh, play growing up identity. children kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like Judd Apatow where it's like very sweary and like sex oriented. Yeah. You know, frequent, you know, what they say in the, the ratings, like frequent references to sex and drug use. Yes, like, exactly. Like that doesn't really exist in Amazon movies. So they're kind of already kids movies. So I could understand the logic there. I mean, I don't know why he hasn't been doing this for years, just to increase his demographic. But why would a child want to see a film called Grown Ups? If I was a child, I'd be immediately put off. Really? I'd be like, that's excluding me. Grown Ups? No, you wouldn't. Yeah, I would. Well, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. It says they're writing the title. I'm looking at it like, <laughs> one, it's not interesting. <laughs> you mean, as a kid, wanna, you only watch films like, like with kids in. Danny, here's like an example the of the title of a film I would want to watch. Children, <laughs> <laughs> little children. That Kate Winslet Boys. drama. Just films like that. <laughs> like if a movie is called like Under Ten, I'm interested. Assuming that I am under ten. It's dangerous territory, sir. Yeah, but like at grown ups, no thanks. Sounds boring. Don't want to watch it. Yeah, I mean, what film do you really want to show your kid, but don't want to show them the full version? You know what I mean? I think but that I, odd... in all circumstances, I want to show my kid the full version. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Well, you'd be a cool parent. I kind of had some moments uh, as a kid where I wish my parents had shown me like the non-sex scene versions. Oh, really? Them. Yeah, like, do, do any, of being sort of... any specific films? It's all a blur. My childhood. Caligula. Sexy blur. Yeah. Like, I don't Pulp, know. Orange. Pulp Fiction or something. That might be a fun film for a kid to watch. <laughs> 37.2 <laughs> degrees Le Matin. You remember that Adam Buxton skit where he's in the car and he's like plays his children the song Fuck the Police, but he turns down the volume every time there's a swear word. Yeah, and absolutely. You could just do that, right? I think like that's what I would do at home. Say if we were watching like 100 Days of Sodom or whatever. It's a short movie. Just... <laughs> <laughs> every, every time. Well, you just put a little card over the screen and narrate <laughs> what, what you want to be happening. And you just, you know, it's all friendly, like... They're just playing cards or something. It's like a little scene of like, you know, they've uh, dodge them uh, like sequence or something. I think it's terrible for child psychology, that kind of thing. What do you mean? Uh, they, you know, they just know that something more exciting was going on. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. And then you just have a, a greater thirst 
I sort of feel like, from my memory of being a child and watching movies that had adult content and more catching bits of, like, you know, like, sex and movies and stuff, I think that I was just totally nonplussed and not interested. That's it. I think that's where you and I differ, Sam. Oh, really? You were like... Yeah, that's where you're all fucked up and Sam's as <laughs> Yeah. I, well, I was just... I just don't remember being... I think I was just like, you know... Come on, let's get back to the fun and games. <laughs> chase, chase a balloon, you fucking boring <laughs> adults. What age are you talking about? <laughs> talking about I don't know. Like I don't have a speci- I don't have a specific age in mind. The difference between like eight and twelve. Yeah, of course. Well, twelve. You know, potential mental health uh, scarring aside, I think it kind of potentially ruins the fun of like watching a movie which you're too young for. Well, that was always, you know... Yeah, definitely. Like, like sneaking to watch something. Mm, like, you know, that's what I mean, your parents yeah. are asleep and you're like, I'm going to watch Terminator 2. Yeah. And I'm only eight years old. <gasps> what is Ten that? years too check, young to see Check it. me out. Check me yeah. out. Is, is anyone seeing this? This <laughs> is so cool. I really this miss so that cool. feeling. I miss that feeling. You know, yeah. not being allowed to do shit. I wish they released yeah. movies that had like a 28-year... <laughs> oh, God, that would be good. 28-year-old rating or something. <laughs> 30. So I could, 30. A 30 oh, film so I can still to. sneak in, yeah. Making me think of that Muppet Christmas Carol scene where Scrooge sings. Sometimes they cut it out. It's too emotional. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> There's two versions of Muppet Christmas Carol. Let's see that. Let's go. Them... Start. Start. Start from the beginning. <laughs> because this sounds. This yeah, every, sounds good. Every year when uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is on TV, the question on everyone's mind is: Is Will Scrooge sing? And it's Will Scrooge sing at the point where him and Belle have had their they meet at the the fuzzy wigs christmas party and then the next scene is like the end of their relationship and where they sing the love is gone but sometimes they don't sing it because it's too painful that's the that's the kids version really so i don't know if that's actually why but so we're talking about censorship not for like adult content but purely for like height of emotions Mm -hmm. for a muppets film yeah that's insane that's crazy how would inside out be making it a cinema exactly what was the kids' version of Up? Just start fifteen minutes in or something. <laughs> Inside Out made me cry within the first three minutes. I just burst into tears. Inside Out's a fucking emotional film. Oh, God, the emotions went on a journey, but my emotions went on a journey. Absolutely. Two journeys. Two journeys. Sorry, parallel journeys. Two parallel journeys. This film's so powerful. For many, many years, Terry Gilliam has been trying to make The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. He got quite close in the late 90s with a version with Johnny Depp, but as documented in the film Lost in La Mancha, basically every problem that can hit a film production hit them. There was like storms, their sets washed away, the main actor got really badly injured and they had to call the whole thing off. And he's been trying to mount a production of it for years and years with various different cast members attached at various different points in time. But unbeknownst to anybody and perhaps because he wanted to jinx it he has finished shooting the man who killed don quixote with adam driver as the lead and jonathan price playing don quixote cool cast and uh yeah so it's happened it's happened so well done so well done terry just don't die between now and getting it released (laughs) oh man it would fucking suck if he did that would fucking suck poor Um, lad but that's a cool that's a cool pairing. I love Adam Driver. He's good in everything. He's just one of those actors. Probably yeah, it's a very cool pairing. leading man in Hollywood, I would say. And Jonathan Price is riding high after playing the High Sparrow in uh, Game of Thrones. So yeah, so I'd be excited to see him excited to see him up on our screens. Do we know that much more about about what's going on with this, or has he just sort of announced it? And I think maybe we should take we can just take a little time out now to celebrate. Yeah. Maybe with a solemn solemn podcast friendly silence. Well done. The only problem now is that 
you just create so much expectation for it, right? By having this long gestating pre-production period, like it better be a fucking masterpiece, right? <laughs> like it's taken so long to get going. Well, he hasn't made a movie that people really acclaimed in quite a while, right? Yeah. Like no one really gave a shit about his last film, The Zero Theorem. Yeah. The thing is, what if you know nothing gone wrong? on the original production, it'd just been a three-star film. Yeah, exactly, okay yeah. Film. <laughs> but because so much, like, the, the the history of the movie is, like, you know, is very interesting unto itself, so it's now got this, you know, it's got to compete with its own backstory. Right, it, it, maybe it'll come out and it'll be, like, a sort of Johnny English-style, like, slapstick <laughs> comedy. It's just... It's just about like pratfalls and like he, you know, his like underpants get caught in his shoes or something. And Gilliam's like, it's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, <laughs> everyone else <laughs> is like, like what? He's like, this about? is my masterpiece. This is it. This is it. Yeah, my magnum opus. And may- maybe it'll be exactly like, um, oh fuck, what is the film where they uh, hide inside the elephant's vagina? Grimsby. The Grimsby. <laughs> Grimsby. It'll be like that. I think it'll oh, have shit, that. You really seem it for a joke though. I should have said, you know, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> um, surfs up I believe yeah I think like that's the that's the real mystery uh, you know after you spend that long trying to make a film there's too much pressure on it you yeah. know maybe you shouldn't even release it well I don't know if it's changed but in the original Johnny Depp version of the project it was Johnny Depp as a modern guy who'd somehow travel back in time but wouldn't it be amazing if he just hasn't updated any of the references and it's like <laughs> it's still set in the 90s <laughs> That'd be great. I think it should start with Terry Gilliam as himself traveling back in time to the 90s to finish his fucking film. <laughs> and then and then just cut into the film. It has loads of framing devices like the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's a great film, so yeah. why not ape its structure? It should start with, like, in the set in the future, Terry Gilliam's great-great-grandson or whatever opening a book. It's like, remember my uh, great-great-grandfather's greatest film, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, and so on and so forth. It's a great film, The Brothers Grimm, but his second best film, <laughs> Tideland. But that is <laughs> only slightly superior to the man who killed Don Quixote. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're gonna hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. Let's join review, share between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on. The guys are in, so let the chat begin. Stop talking now. So, Wonder Woman, uh, this is Marstone comic book film. It's the latest in the DC slate, the sort of struggling DC uh, cinematic universe, which has only produced absolute turds so far. Uh, in the form <laughs> of Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, which are complete garbage. Um, and we were kind of excited in some in some way for Wonder Woman, or there was a bit of anticipation riding on it, based on the expectation that it might not be like utterly terrible. And it's also the first like really major superhero film to star a woman, which is kind of insane, given that the whole superhero craze has been going on for well, you know, about two decades now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's there's been basically two previous examples that I can think of, headed by uh, women, and they were both kind of almost pseudo straight to dvd efforts you know that like were immediate flops uh those being catwoman starring Halle berry and electra with jennifer garner the um daredevil spin-off but this one comes with a lot more pomp and circumstance and uh has been quite well received critically and has also been a huge box office smash i think it's broken the record for the amount of money made by a film directed by a woman so well done to it the director is patty jenkins who's best known for directing monster 
and she almost had a uh, crack at a previous superhero film and she was going to helm Thor the Dark World for a while, but then departed due to creative differences with Marvel. So She was like, let's not make it shit. And they were like, nah, let's definitely I think make we're, it shit. No, no, we're thinking of a different direction, Patty. We're thinking of shit. <laughs> so we're going to go, we're going to go somewhere else. So yeah, and I think there's been like quite a bit of nerd chat around this film. Like then all the nerds are getting excited about it. Well, James doesn't know anything about it because he's too cool. Uh, James is too cool for it, and in some ways, so am I. Since I feel like I haven't really been keeping up with the uh, all the all the chatter around it, particularly. And it's always funny watching this sort of hornet's nest of like sweaty dorks who like, just can't <laughs> can't bear any kind of like slight variation from the white man films and the way they get stirred up by any of these kinds of things so i imagine they've all been really excited and think that it's some kind of like sjw plot to like destroy white men and prevent them from breeding here's the wonder woman set up on a beautiful remote island filled with tall female warriors there's a young princess diana and early on in the film the island is attacked and she has to travel to the mainland with chris prine who's a fighter pilot and get involved in world war one in order to defeat the Greek god of war, Ares, who seems to have been stirring up some trouble. That's basically the outline. Danny, would you, would you, do you find that to be a reasonable synopsis? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, here is a clip of Wonder Woman, played by Gal. I, I, I wish I knew how her name was pronounced. Godot? Either Godot or Godot, I'm not really totally sure. And uh, she's having a little uh, chat with Chris Pine and a sort of comedy, uh, bumbling English lady, played by Lucy Davis. Why don't I meet you back at the office and meanwhile I'll take this for safekeeping? Oh no, I don't think so. You gotta put the sword down, Diana, please. It doesn't go with the outfit. At all. Put the sword down, first of all. (gasps) Promise me you won't protect it with your life. (laughs) Yes. No. You can trust her. Just hand that over. Shield. And the shield to her. There we go. Whoa. You got it. Thanks, Edda. This is easy. So, I think my reaction to this movie is that it's fine. I really wanted to love it, just to prove all those MRA guys uh, wrong. Well, they're going to hate it anyway, but you know what I mean. But yeah, like really, really rub it in their face. Situation yeah. rather than a Ghostbusters situation. It's got many of the problems that comic book movies generally have, which is slightly odd pacing and a somewhat unclear message about what the film's trying to say. Yeah. There's just a general love conquers all I think that's that's where they were going I mean yeah that's definitely the idea of it but it's done with a lot of sincerity and you know out of the previous DC movies that seem to be against heroics and just having an uncomplicated heroine whose backstory is in that somebody she knows died so she became a hero it's just because she's a good person and she does the right thing and in these troubled times I warmed to that yeah absolutely yeah well yeah especially because like the previous two movies are all about these like just incredibly grumpy miserable people who hate other people and have seemed very opposed to the sort of basic ideas of heroics yeah so it definitely did feel refreshing in, the, in those terms yeah and also this might be a slightly depressing point but just the very fact that it was a comic movie with a woman just kept it interesting throughout because i haven't seen this before and even when the finale descends into sort of stereotypical cgi flamey explodey third act which seems to conclude every comic book movie I was like, well, you know, this is not just some dude. Yeah, <laughs> that absolutely. That itself made it different. I think that there's, I mean, I was trying to, I'm trying to put my finger on exactly what it is because it's more than it's just that there's a woman in it, but I think there might be something to do with the fact that it doesn't feel like tied down to gendered notions of what a female hero would do. 
Yeah. That she just does very traditional superhero type stuff, basically. And there are definitely things you can quibble with in the movie in terms of like the way it deals with the gender um, aspects. But I think the overall thrust of it, where it doesn't feel like it's made by people who are like have a hang up about the fact that they're here as a woman. You yeah, not at all. And I was seeing some chatter on Twitter uh, from women who had seen the movie and felt like, you know, it really felt like new. And, yeah. you know, it's not something that, you know, I, I, I don't I feel like I'd, I'd be churlish to kind of rain on that parade, because if you uh, are feeling for the first time, like you're getting this like exciting representation of uh, your own gender on screen, like bizarrely it feeling like a new thing. I don't want to I wouldn't want to take anything away from that. Yeah. Um, and she's very I mean, Gal Gadot. Uh, I'm going to go with Gadot. Go for it. She is. Uh, I don't think she's like an incredible actress. But she has a lot of presence. She's incredibly beautiful, uh, and she just looks. She, Wonder Woman here. What a bastard. <laughs> she looks very like she definitely looks the part. I mean, she looks super heroic. I think there's an element to which um, she can strike the pose. She can definitely strike the pose. She does, and which she constantly does. A lot of like slow mo in the movie, and a lot of it is like her just like simply striking a heroic pose to camera. But you know, she she does that really really well. I think there's an there's an element to which her kind of heroic mode because she's a beautiful woman is like as opposed to a man who you know the sort of traditional masculine handsomeness is kind of like rugged and can be get like a bit dirty and tousled and stuff yeah and i don't think the standards of beauty are applied in the same way to women so she has to remain kind of uh like salon fresh at all times (laughs) like sweaty she doesn't sweat and she doesn't even though like quite a substantial portion of the film is set in one of the dirtiest wars just in mud terms of all time, World War One. She doesn't really have to deal with too much grime, you know? Her hair was, is always remaining pretty much perfectly curled and stuff, even when she's, like, literally engaged in trench warfare. So, you know, so that sometimes, like, looked a little bit weird. But, I mean, there's, there's like, a couple of moments in the film that I think really land in terms of um, heroism. Uh, and I can see why it would, you know, why well, people would respond well to it. It was the sort of thing where I was like, it was working enough, and I could imagine being a sort of young girl and being incredibly blown away, or a young boy for that matter, like just being really, really blown away and excited by it. Um, I have a couple of other things that struck me about that aspect of the movie. The uh, the sort of main quibble I have about the way that uh, they do the gender stuff is that there's this horrible cliche of like, if you have a beautiful woman in your film, like men's uh, jaws go slack and they're like you know eyes go wide and they're just like blah 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 and that sort of keeps happening in the movie like every time she encounters a new group yeah. totally looney tunes <laughs> style uh like the jaw drops to yeah. the fore the tongue like rolls out yeah, like unfurls out of his chest, his chest. yeah he starts, howling he starts going a wooga um and but like that happens about like five times in the film. Do you reckon and, that was just unscripted? But Gal Gadot is just that attractive. Oh, <laughs> every every yeah. line. Every other Let's just the try this. Thing. Let's just try this off the script. See how that goes. And it was like, yeah, I so say that that felt somewhat lame to me. Do you think that's the kind of thing where it's so ingrained that if they weren't having those kind of reactions, it would just seem so bizarre to have such a, a beautiful. Well, I think that maybe that's what they were thinking, but mm. I really don't think yeah. so. I think it's like they have other shit to worry about. They're fighting World War One. You know what I mean? Like they know what women look like. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I think it's mainly notable because there really aren't actually that many women in the film. Once, uh, once she gets off her um, island of Amazons. But I do want, I do want to raise something else that I quite liked about it, and I think the romance is done unusually well for this type of film. Not that it's anything to really write home about, but I thought she had like real chemistry with Chris Pine. 
and there's just a couple of scenes of them flirting and you know romantic building and stuff which is usually both embarrassing and like dull because it feels you know they're just forced to include it sure and especially in a movie where the lead is a woman and like women are almost always relegated to uh romantic um solely romantic parts in these types of films that it feels especially good basically that they handled it quite well rather than it like just making her feel like she's actually sappy or something you know yeah and i just thought they navigated all that stuff pretty well and like you know there's a there's a kind of romantic payoff at the end of the movie and i was you know i was like this worked this worked i was like this is good i mean because in, in these types of films especially once you've seen like eight thousand of these superhero movies like any moment where i feel like something is clicking and you feel like the movie is actually working on you in some way and like deep within your like jaded <laughs> heart so something begins to stir very slightly it's like you know it's there's something exciting about it especially because what you were saying about these movies like structural problems and the way that the to- the pacing is usually off because yeah. they've done all these reshoots and stuff um and there is there is plenty of that in this movie but uh when the story and kind of clicks together in some way and you realize that it's done some functional effective stuff <laughs> it's satisfying it's like yeah, oh absolutely. shit and, it, and I, I think that this certainly the fact that it had any of those moments puts it head and shoulders above the previous dc movies but um but yeah, I think in in general it was, it was doing them pretty well. Yeah, World War One is an odd choice of setting. I agree. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is that there's this whole message about Wonder Woman wants to end the war, but she's an action superhero, so she's got to kick ass to end the war. But rather than her fighting Nazis, which may have just been conscripted men, but it's easy to get on board with. There's this evil. Yeah, they, they, their uniforms have skulls on them. And, like, <laughs> exactly. Bloody, yeah. But this is set in the end of the war and the villain is trying to perpetuate the war while the peace process is going on and it makes a point of saying how demoralized and the lack- german army they're ready to re- surrender ready to re- and yeah. they've got the resources they've been fed they've been paid so there's a bit which is like horrified by the effects of war and you're like okay this is pretty cool and then she immediately has to go kick some ass but like aren't those german guys just as like fucked up and yeah like, exactly they're the victims as well yeah um, yeah so it's got a bit of an odd uh like an odd like not sure what it's trying to say war is bad but also kicking ass is cool well so, yeah yes, I, I mean i think the original okay. the original comic book origins are in world war Two, yeah, and i think they moved sense. into world war one because they um to avoid similarities with captain america the first avenger which is set in world war Two. yeah it also maybe just to visually make it distinctive from the opening which is set in this beautiful sort of greek island paradise place and because it's world war one it's very kind of like muddy and dark and it kind of apes the zach schneider aesthetic which was a bit unwelcome. And there's an over-reliance on CGI and slow motion, but the slow motion is used in the way it's used in, like, sports coverage. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Take a yeah. step back, look how awesome this is. It's, like, quite distancing. I'd rather see just a really well-choreographed... Yeah. Well, it definitely, it definitely like, takes you out of the fight a bit. Yeah. It, like, it kills any kind of sense of, like, rhythm in the, um, in the fight scenes. The fight scenes are probably the weakest part of the movie, to be honest. They felt like... They did feel like they were mainly to create these tableaus, yeah. But, like, they're not actually exciting. I can't wait for all the gifts to come out from Wonder Woman. There'll be some good gifts. There'll be some good gifts. <laughs> some, some quality some gifts. Dank memes. Um, but, like, but the, uh, yeah, a bit, and this is particularly true in the finale, which is unpleasantly reminiscent of the finale of Batman v Superman in the way that it looks. It's kind of, like, set in this grey concrete environment where half of the shit is on fire and the villain is this, you know, other kind of, like, grey blob firing angry things at the hero. And yeah, it's yeah. just a total, like, blue screen mess. I mean, it looks like it was basically shot with her standing still and, like, a wind machine. <laughs> and then they just did it, they painted everything in afterwards. 
Uh, so yeah, that was a bit of a bit, bit of a weak moment, but definitely a, a big step in the right direction. Definitely a step in the right direction. There, there are there are things that uh, set it apart, and I feel like make it worthwhile. And it's one of those movies where when you if you hear about people going to it and like kids going to it and loving it and wanting to you know kick ass afterwards and feeling you know like empowered, empowered they're good, good, good for them. Yeah. Then it, it was a success, and it was worth doing. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardot. She's the queen, but she wants to be in radio, so she starts a podcast with her friends, and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. So, we need to prep for free, well, all the different conclusions of the election. This has been recorded on Wednesday night. Um, yeah. So you, yeah, you know, the election is tomorrow. This won't go out. It's probably Sunday, maybe Monday. If I'm a bit lazy. I wish. <laughs> next thursday more like yeah 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 uh well we've been busy you know we've all been, we've been too busy we've been too busy finding for the future of this fucking country james the first thing i'm gonna do when i go home is listen to last week's episode <laughs> um yeah, but uh but yeah so we, i think we're all we're all so, pretty tense i'm certainly like um absolutely shitting myself with the prospect of what's gonna happen in the election but like yeah when the when the when this episode comes out that'll all be history and we'll be living in a completely new world so we have to sign off in an appropriate way yeah we did it, guys. We did it. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I can't be- a dream. When I say I can't believe it, I mean I can believe it, and it was inevitable. It was inevitable. All the many, not the few. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Teresa. Yeah. Fuck you, Tim Farron. Even though I can't believe the Lib Dems have been completely wiped out. Not I can't believe the Lib Dems have any MPs. And when I say I can't believe it, I mean I that was also by... inevitable and obvious. Oh, brilliant. Delightful. Oh god! I can't <laughs> fucking believe it. I, I feel like these reactions will actually be balls. kind of similar. Like, fuck Ugh. you, fuck, fuck you, fuck. you fucking PM. You're staying in your post. Fuck you off. fucking racist. You fucking racist. Saudi Arabian gun selling bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you ran a disgusting campaign. It was lazy and arrogant. Linton Crosby is one of the worst humans alive, and he should be strangled. Tim Farron, fucking Tim hell. Farron, Prime you know, Minister. We all, we what? Under, underestimated, underestimated him. We underestimated him. Wow. I mean, that shit he said about uh, chemicals turning frogs gay really cut through to the electorate in a way no one expected. Um, yeah, it turns out that's quite a popularly held view. Yeah. Everyone's saying it. I actually, I checked, I checked the Independent, and it turns out the image of him holding some milk is actually the most shared of the election, <laughs> and it was really people found it inspiring. Um, and now we can see why it's because he's become time. prime minister. I can't believe they've got a 200 seat majority. The Lib Dems, <laughs> insane, even though they were like fielding that many candidates, even they've taken back Scotland, which they never even had in the first place. Astonishing, astonishing result for them. I can't believe that all of Scotland has gone Lib Dem. It's gone Lib Dem. It's just gone bloody <laughs> Lib Dem. Who would have thought it? Up. I don't know. There must have been some kind of rounding error in the polls because it wasn't wasn't showing. Uh, but fair play to them. I mean, fair bloody play. That's to fair them. play. That's all. Yeah. Fair play. We're gonna get game a good. Game. We're gonna get a good Brexit. <laughs> game recognised game. It's gonna be good for Brexit. Hung oh, Parliament. Hung par- yes. oh, Parliament. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just sound almost as happy as I as I did in the other universe where where we won an outright majority. Happier. Even happier. happier. Even happier. <laughs> yeah. The oh, Schadenfreude so is absolutely powering me. Can't uh, wait for this coalition of chaos to kick off, which is fun to say. New magic money tree. Oh, look, I'm planting one in, in my... I'm planting a commemorative tree, and I'm calling it the money tree. Uh, what's the c- fruit that's closest to money? Come on, answer me. Um, uh, acorn. Acorn. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's the first it's fruit. Not a fruit. It's not a fruit. The first fruit that came to mind. Acorn. Um, An acorn uh, tree. Apples. Apples. Because you like... They can like, be... How do you like dem apples? 
I think what apples can be bartered say? with, can't they? Peanuts. Peanuts. A peanut tree. Yeah. Not lemons. Not lemons. That's nothing, right? We yeah. Lemons. Yeah. Uh, Grapefruits of it, like a pound coin. What? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nonsense. I think the Hong Parliament one drove us a bit round the bend. <laughs> Complete crap. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, James. Oh, thank pleasure. you for being here, Sam. Thank, thank you. And thank you, thank Danny. You thank you for being oh, you're here. You're welcome. I mean, I, this is my, we're in my house, so I'm quite likely to be here. That's true. <laughs> it was weird when I did that episode about you. <laughs> broke in. Yes, and join us next week. We'll be de- reviewing this documentary called Dying Laughter. Yeah. Oh, no, Dying Laughing. Dying Laughing, dying I think. Dying Laughter. Dying. <laughs> that sounds like a horror movie. Release <laughs> the Dying Laughter. Yeah. Um, no. Dying, dying laughing. laughing. And what else? Something else. The Mummy. Do you want to see that? Let's yeah, like, can't oh, wait shit. to fucking see The Mummy. It looks brilliant. I just, I'm <laughs> champing at the bit to see it. I like the Bill Russell Crowe says, Welcome to the British <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant masterful. Line. I like the bit where the where like the mummy's eyes split into two, you know, each iris. She's got some kind of split eyes. Fucking, Fucking mental. sick, mate. Mental. I Can't love. Wait. Shout out Chris Victory. Um, work on that film. Did he really? Yeah. Chris Victory. Mummy oh, uh, returns. And yeah, and with that, well, we'll see you. See you on the other side, guys. We'll see you in the future. Yeah. The t- our tone and demeanor will be drastically different next week. So look forward to that. Bye. 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 But he, he refers, he refers, I'm interested that he refers to uh, uh, the situation of some workers who might have uh, some job insecurity uh, and potentially unscrupulous bosses. I suspect that there are many members on the opposition benches who might be familiar with an unscrupulous boss. Uh, a boss who doesn't listen to his workers, uh, a boss... A boss who requires some of his workers to double their workload. A boss. And maybe even a boss who exploits the rules to further his own career. Remind him of anybody. today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.